What's up, everybody? And that, my friends, is what happens when you have Leah Olson playing your mother <laughs> in Sparkle Pony Bear the Musical. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to do a cold open, and I thought that was the best way to kind of show where I'm at and what I've been working on so far. So again, you have to give it up for one of the most gifted, amazing singers and actors I have the pleasure of working with, Leah Olson. <clears throat> no, she's not in the room with me. Um, no interviews yet. <laughs> because what would be of making Sparkles a podcast about making the musical Sparkle Pony Bear if it wasn't just me rambling incoherently on and off over the next course of what for you will be an hour and what will be for me probably a day or two. Um, so already heading into the evening. It's been a very long <laughs> time. So, so yeah, we're going to break this shit out, girls. But yeah, so Leah came in. Um, there's a lot of different things that I have to share with you. Some good, some bad, some just me venting and hopefully getting feedback from all of you awesome people out there. Um, slowly but surely, I've got more people listening to this, which I, I never could have imagined. So I thank, thank all of you for taking the time. And more importantly, I like the dialogue that is happening, the discussion, the, the talk about doing these types of things, because we're all in this together. We might as well all feel miserable together. Then. <laughs> so yeah, um, so let's break into it. Uh, I figure the best part is to just dive into some of the more dramatic issues, and then we'll slowly chisel our way back to this lovely piece of music that Leah was able to create with me and help share. Yeah, and so through the magic of editing this seamlessly, I come back in like I never left the room and took copious breaks. Um, so for my other project, and the infinite, we're currently in audition land. Um, we went, I think, uh, so I'm already being told and understanding that my audition process is not how most people do this. So, so let me kind of break out the audition. I'm, Cause I need a little bit of a break for talking about Sparkle Pony Bear real quick. So um, I went on backstage, I posted a notification kind of explained, all right, here are the two roles for In the Infinite. Here is what I'm looking for. Um, I would like to give people 25 minutes a piece to show me what they got and to work with me. Um, so because of that, I will not accept anyone that does not have some type of recording of them performing or singing. And I was very, very emphatic about that. It was like, again, it could just be something you record on your phone. I just need to hear you sing so that I know when you're coming into the room that I'm already getting a kind of like a certain chunk. So you weed through, see, I think at the end of it, I got like 
probably about like 80 to 100 submissions. Um, not shitting you, uh, about 60%, because these are the final tallies, right? So, so about 60% of them didn't include anything of them singing um, and had no record of them ever being able to sing. Uh, so those just immediately got tossed out. I think there were a couple of case exceptions where I did reach out to them. I think there was 20 of those, like 60-odd people. Um, 20 of them I did go, hey, do you have a recording of yourself? Um, and of those 20, I think two <laughs> responded. So so we're already we're starting with the pool of about from a hundred people, we've whittled it now down to about forty-one people that have actually like we've gotten to the place now where we can like set up the audition. From that inquiry, I'm not shitting you, it went from forty-one to nineteen. Nineteen people actually like messaged me back, booked a time slot. Here we go. Of the 19 that were scheduled for one speci- uh, for two specific dates, I ended up, because I am too nice, apparently I'm learning, um, I then further created alternate dates because of scheduling conflicts. So five of those people I were supposed to see over the course of two alternate dates. So we're starting with 19. And then let's factor in, I think there were three, four, no, four. So there were four additional plugins. Either they responded after I'd already blocked everything out and I still wanted to hear them, or they were friends, or I already knew them. So, so really what we're talking about is before auditions even begin, I'm going from 100 original applicants immediately down to about 23. Like, that's just, like, right in the barrel. You're already, you've, you're basic, and we're using 100 because then percentages are easier. And it really is, like, literally, these are the actual numbers, but I think it's, like, 103, but that makes rounding really hard. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I have a 24% return on something that, a hundred people came back to me with. I didn't find these people on my own. I, that's just, I don't know, man. That's really kind of weird. Like, I think in my experience on the recording studio side of life, these numbers just kind of shock me. When I talk to other colleagues that are kind of in the same level of what I'm doing. Um, they've all kind of reiterated that this is actually pretty typical, that like you, this just this is just how it goes. But here's where it gets funny, because of, of the 24, at the end of the day, only 15 of them showed up. Um, I think, see here, 24 minus 15, I can't do math, nine. So so there's nine people that were no-shows, right? Of the nine no-shows, uh, 
four of them actually told me that they were going to no-show, and then were like long, long, complicated stories about how they need to reschedule, which I just, I, I just, I don't have the bandwidth. It isn't that I'm trying to be a mean person. It's just, I'm so tired, and this audition process just took so much out of me. Um, so four dropout, or wait, was it more? I, I'm so backwards. Uh, so a bunch of them dropped out, and then a bunch of them just didn't show up. Like, I did this special audition thing where it's like, you get up to 25 minutes with me, which you're never really going to get in an audition from what I've heard anyway. So, so already it's just significantly down. But here's the, here's the good part of this. Every single person that came in was absolutely 100% exceptional. I, I just, every single one of them brought it and they were amazing and they were just, they were very, very delightful. It was exhausting for me just because, you know, it's a lot of people to see over the course of two days. But, um, yeah, so so it did work out. We did figure some things out, and I, I got a whole new arsenal of talent that I can't wait to have the opportunity in the future to work with. But but those numbers, those, those, those stock value numbers just kind of confuse me that if, if your talent that's wanting to get selected for roles. And I've already up front kind of like posted and said, this is for demo credit. Like, <laughs> just like any other film project that's not paying. Like, I was very honest and very detailed in the post on what it was, what it was offering, what we were gonna do. And even then, I think the 100 people that came in, I would say half of them didn't read what I was asking for, and how it, it just—I I was very alarmed at the amount of talent on backstage that aren't actually kind of doing the extra stuff. I mean, I have a SoundCloud, I have a YouTube, I have an Instagram, I have this podcast. <laughs> I mean, there are plenty of ways to do your homework and research to figure out about what I'm doing. Um, and even what was even a little bit odder was that. The people coming in who are all great, I, I will not say any disparaging words about any person that took the time to come in and audition with me. I was just a little surprised that they themselves, some of them didn't even do their homework. They didn't even know what was happening. Um, for the most part, every single one of them knew the song, had taken a lot of time and to put in their take and what they wanted of the song, that was great. Um, but yeah, I was just, if you're a performing artist and you're listening to this, if you're going the backstage route, please read the profile in full before you say that you want to audition. And when you do agree to audition, when you do book a time, I know there are extenuating circumstances, but there were enough people that were like canceling and no showing on me that it's like, that's just disrespectful. And I think what the performer forgets is even if I'm at a lower level or maybe not in the A-list tier that you think I should be or you want to work with, realize I may eventually actually do something <laughs> and I'm never gonna forget you. <laughs> That's right. 
I will never forget you. Because <laughs> I do hold a grudge sometimes. But hey. So so that, that was that. I just wanted to kind of share the uh, the audition experience. Um, the ones that did come in, again, I, I can't say enough great things about them. Um, on this podcast, I'm not announcing officially. Um, I have... Yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that because I don't know when this podcast is going to air. <laughs> so I don't, I just, just, just in case anyway, because that's the other thing, like we're, I guess I'm different is that I get so paranoid about everyone's feelings that like I hold back or I try to be very cautious, but then I'm so cautious and careful that I end up freaking myself out and then I stress out and then I just blather whatever I was thinking to begin with. Um, but yeah, but if you have any audition stories, if you have any audition experiences you'd like to share, um, maybe even giving me advice on the audition process, please feel free. Um, TC Crosser, T-C-C-R-O-S-S-E-R. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud. I'm everywhere. Just just shoot me a message. I'd, I'd love to just talk about it because I, I, I will never use... For that, for people that just kind of came in for 25 minutes, I'm not going to say their actual names, but I would love to just talk shop about some anecdotes because some of those some of those experiences were a little like ah, like do don't don't try to hug me after the audition. Like I'm going to reciprocate because I'm a nice person, but it is kind of creepy. Um, and also, if you are auditioning, like take a beat. Don't just start talking 500 miles a minute and, like, confusing me. Because <laughs> it's just, there were some personality types where it was, like, amazing performances. But, boy, did they scare me. I got really scared. I was like, I don't know if I want to work with this person. They're kind of crazy. Um, but, yeah. So so that's my, little, that's my little tidbit on auditions. And now for what you bitches really want. The drama. <laughs> and, and I realize no one has any idea what the hell I'm talking about. Um, so long story short, um, I had a person that was originally set up and was going to work with me as the sparkle to sparkle pony bear. Um, I've used this person's name already, so if you really want to know who this who I'm talking about, you can go back and you you can you figure it out. Back when I was happy, um, and I this is going to bring up a kind of an interesting subject when we're talking about workshopping something, because um, that's really what this is at its core. It, I, I can twist it and be like, oh, it's like we're working on a concept album, which we are. And I can even kind of twist it like we're just working on a little piece of it, you know. But at the end of the day, this would fall under the category of workshop. And when you're in a workshop, things change. And when you're in a workshop, casting decisions change because sometimes things take a certain direction, the project evolves. Um, sometimes you writing you, you write for one voice and then you realize, oh, I need a different voice. Um, this is not necessarily one of those cases. This is a, a bone of contention regarding emotions and 
a creative and happy work environment. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm going to describe the events that led to me letting this person go um, and use this not as me dishing. Use this as just kind of a word of caution when you yourself are working on your own project. Um, there is a lesson that has taken me a lot of time to learn, especially in New York City, and the lesson is only work with people you enjoy working with. Only work with people you enjoy working with. I'm gonna say it again. Only work with people you enjoy working with. I, it's, it's one of those situations where the person that was involved, no, it's not a paying gig. No, it's not going to make you famous. Um, this person was up for a different role in a different production, and they they had like I guess there was like five callbacks and all because you know I'm along for the ride. I'm very emotionally invested in people I work with, so I knew that this person was up for this other role, and I knew that they had a lot of callbacks, and they really thought that they got the role. And then at the end of the day, they didn't get the role. And when it was inquired, well, why didn't I get the role? I guess they told the guy's agent that we really like you, we just don't think you can hack it. Like, we don't think you're gonna be able to keep up with what we're trying to get done. And I felt really bad. I even posted on Facebook or a comment on his Facebook post about it. I mean, I, I truly did feel bad. But he's already got me. He's already working on my project. Um, and so he books time to come in to meet with me. And then kind of at the last minute, he texts me and he cancels on me. And he literally said, oh, I've been drinking and crying all night. I really can't come in. Can we do this later? And so I just said, sure. I, I was upset, but I just was like, you know what? I'm upset, but I understand. So the, the next day, um, I think it was the next, yeah, it was, it was the next day he does come in. And I just wanted to talk about it because, again, I want a happy work environment. I want to feel like everyone is part of this family. So, you know, and vice versa. If if that guy had an issue with me, he all he would have to do is just bring it up and we would talk about it. We would be open and honest about our feelings. And so I just sat him down. You know, I even I waited till we sat down cuz you know. <laughs> and I just said, "Hey man, I just want to say I'm pretty bummed about getting that text at the last minute um, about you canceling. And he just, he got super defensive. And I'm trying to be cool. I'm just like, you know, because he's like, well, you know, it happens. I just didn't want to sound like shit. And, and I was like, I get that. I'm just telling you how I feel and how I kind of felt. And how I feel is that I'm bummed because, you know, I'm a project you're working on. Like, you didn't get rejected from me. And I feel like I'm giving you a little bit more, you know, latitude at my own, you know, detriment. I was like, you know, and I think the other thing I needed to clue him in on is like, 
when I'm booking time, I'm swamped. I mean, my schedule is packed. Like, I got to make a living and I'm working on all these different projects. And as long as the schedule fits, my life's great. Everyone's happy. But when people start canceling at the last minute, it becomes a huge hurdle because technically Leah was supposed to come in the next day that he did show up. But then I got Leah, and fortunately she was, because she's amazing, and everyone should hire Leah Olson for everything they have. I swear. Oh, I love her. Um, she was willing to come in the day after so I could get the cleanup work before she came in to lay out what you just heard. So he just, he, he went crazy. I don't know how to describe it other than he went into a gay rage girl. <laughs> like He just stood up and was like, you know what? I have feelings. I have feelings. And you're telling me that I can't feel my feelings? I, and I was like, I couldn't get any of the gigs. He just kept yelling at me. And he's like, this is so fucked up. I'm not even getting paid for this shit. You know what? I can't do this right now. And he just started packing up his stuff. <laughs> and I was like, and I'm looking at him like, going, this just started because I was trying to be open and honest about my feelings. And yeah, so it was like, I was like, you know what, man, this isn't going to work. This really isn't going to work out. And so he's like, fuck you. And he like slams out. So once the door slammed, I don't know if you heard it or not. I did let out a pretty loud, fuck you. Because <laughs> it's like, I, why would you do that? I, I don't, I understand that actors, it takes a special breed of person to be an actor. It's difficult. You have a lot of emotions that you have to pull from constantly and kind of separate and mash together and dig around. I completely respect and understand the craft. But when it gets down to brass tacks and you have a job to do, you not only want to get the job done right, you also want to enjoy yourself while you're doing it. I mean, the, this person, and I'm not really painting this as like he's like a crazy psychopath. It's just if your heart's not in it, if you're not feeling it, and you're not getting paid for it, this is something you talk about much earlier in the process than like a couple of months later and you're having a bad week and... Now it's time to take it out on on me. Like, so, <laughs> so, so I'm without a sparkle. But here's the saving grace behind all of this. Um, Leah comes in. And Leah comes in and we did touch-ups. So she had done kind of her take on the chorus of Happy Accident. And she, and I didn't, necessarily go hey do you want to play my mom in a concept album <laughs> i i was more like hey can you come in and help me with this track because she's in, you know she is busy she's in her band sex in french which is actually very good um i'm also currently starting to talk about producing their album which would be a lot of fun i think um, but anyway, um, but she came in and she was just a super breath of fresh air because she knows me. She's been in like two or three of my things and I love her. And so, of course, it was like, I'm not shitting you. It was like 30 minutes of recording 
and like an hour and a half of just hanging out because that's how fast she works. Like when you work with a performing artist and you have a shorthand, it reminds me of being in the old studio days. Like she knows what I want. I know what she she's going to want. Like we have this kind of symbiotic relationship, this shorthand that we just kind of go back and forth. Then we kind of we listen to things. We're both very honest with each other. It's like, okay, well that one's a little wonky. Let's redo this part or let's redo that. And then and then she trusts me enough to take all that and then turn it into something and then present it to her. So so uh, with that perspective and Leah's amazing <laughs> maternal insight, she's like, you know, if we're going to find a sparkle, we need to find someone we actually want to work with, you know, because she was even like, I don't know about this guy. This guy just, you know, like, and she won't say a bad thing about a single human being. I've never heard her really ever talk negatively but but you read between the lines and it's true it's like at the end of the day we just want to make art and if we're not enjoying ourselves while we're making art then what's the point you know i understand living and dying by the craft but there has to be some motivation other than just getting it done um so which also sucks and ties into what I was talking about, about the audition hell. Because <laughs> auditions started, the so, so this guy went kind of crazy on me when we were about to do all the studio recording stuff. He kind of went crazy on a Wednesday. Auditions, no, he went crazy on Thursday. So he went crazy. <laughs> I, it's just easier to say the good way. So, girl got crazy on Thursday. Leah came in on Friday, and then auditions started on Saturday. So, in in my back pocket, I was like, "All right, I got a couple guys coming in this Saturday. One of them I think would be perfect for Sparkle Pony Bear. So, let's just kind of ride it through and see how this guy does, and maybe we can figure something out." Well, that motherfucker emailed me, like, the day, like, like two to three hours before he was supposed to come in. That fucker emails me and goes, oh, I got stuck. I have to work on, on a project I'm directing right now, so I can't come in. But best of luck, or let me know if I can come in in a later day. I was like, motherfucker, like... 25 minutes out of your day like you had this on the books for the past month like are you kidding me <laughs> so I'm kind of back to square one um and that's you know because when you have a podcast about making a musical part of it is going to be talent um so so now that I've cleared the air on that it's kind of like well what are the next steps well Clearly, I'm just going to be honest. I don't think the backstage method works. Um, I found Leah Olsen off backstage, and I've found some amazing talent, but it's... You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of how the recording industry used to work. Like, back in my day. But, like, early... Even, like, early 2000s, right? 
the Geffen era of recording music's dead. Um, you're no longer offering bands these huge cashing advances. And instead, the indie labels kind of came in and they were the middleman between the major labels and the artists. And the indie labels would offer you these, they would call them 50-50 splits, where they would come in, they would book you, they'd give you, you know, a decent cash advance but it was 50-50 on the cost, right? So, so the label itself would not eat, would only eat 50% of the cost, but they would still flip the initial bill for you. So let's say you rack up a bar tab of about 100 grand between recording an album, administrative fees, and stuff like that. The label will just, due to ownership, they're going to pay for 50% of that. And then the other 50% will come out of any royalties and tours and stuff. And it's not like a bad thing, right? But, or it's like backstage, for A&R reps, their lives just became living hell because now that they have this new model, they have to go hear like hundreds of bands. And I had one buddy... And he was, I think he was with the Arts and Crafts label up in Canada. But um, he he was telling me once, it's like, for every 200 bands I spend listening to, only one of them is worth a lick of spit. And even that one band will probably say no when I give them the offer. And I shit you not, that is how I feel about Backstage. Backstage has become like the Craigslist of auditioning. And I... I mean, I just read the numbers off, right? I think of 100 applicants, at the end of the day, only like a total of 15 people actually came, and they were all great. I have nothing to say disparaging about the 15, except for the disparaging remarks I did make. (laughs) But, you know, 15 show up out of 100 that messaged me to say they wanted to, and you're fucking DM Skippy, I went through all hundred of those profiles by myself because I want control over this process. Um, And then of the 15, it's like, yeah, I got my little stable of stars and people I like, but it's like, that was a lot of effort. That was a lot of work. And I'm telling you right now, 60 of those people should never have, have applied. Like, they're, I'm not, like, just there are 60 of them that should have just kept their mouth shut. Like, or if they had actually read through everything and what I was asking, you know, and I was talking to one friend and they were explaining, well, they do it because they just don't know. And I was like, they think they're going to like sneak in and amaze me. (laughs) It's like, doesn't really work that way. It's like, well, that's their logic. So, so backstage isn't going to work. I don't know at this point how I will find the person that's supposed to play Sparkle Pony Bear. Um, but it's going to be an exciting adventure because at least now I have the opportunity to learn from everything I've done, right? So, so that's what we're going to do right now. It's been a long ramble, but I love this shit. And if you've been listening this far, then you're in knee deep. Let's do this, motherfucker. So 
I'm going to, after a short break from myself, um, I'll break out what worked and what didn't work and what I'd like to see moving forward um, when trying to find a new Sparkle Pony Bear. <sighs> oh, I feel much better. I, 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 I ate a cupcake. <laughs> I, I made Trader Joe's cupcakes, and now I feel better. But, all right. So the first thing I learned, do not cold call talent you do not know. This is a bad idea. I thought originally, oh, that's what you do. You find people that have already performed or done something that you think is really cool, and then you reach out to them and go, hey, I'm working on this thing. Why don't you come on and join me? Again, cold call. You don't know them. You've never met them. You are just some dork sending them a message. This is a terrible idea. I cannot begin to tell you how every single experience I have had doing this has been utterly awful. And I'm not saying it's the people in general. It's first thing is you're creating an error of them getting what they want. And ultimately what a performer wants is attention, right? They want to feel loved. They want to feel wanted. So when you as a composer, regardless of your accolades or where you're at in your life and what you've done, if you cold call them and go, hey, I have this project and I'd love to hear you, you give them way too much power because now the ball's in their court because now they get to decide whether they want to do it or not. And, and I'm not saying that there is any malicious intent. There is. Uh, <laughs> but usually that gives a little bit too much humph, and they kind of start to posture themselves that way. Um, at least for all of the people <laughs> that I've reached out to where I've started this process this way, um, it, it's always gone horribly. You know, and I think the last person where I thought, well, maybe this will still work, was the person that had to be let go from Sparkle Pony Bear because it was creating a hostile working environment. And that's what it is. Is that it's just when you cold call them and you don't have some personal connection, whether it be someone else that knows them that can vouch for them or yourself or. Or maybe they reach out to you. That's fine. But if you're cold calling musicians that you've never known for theater. Now, again, the reason I used to do it this way is because this is how I used to run my studio. When I was looking for talent, I would hang like once every other month or so. I would work with a band or a performing artist, like a musician performing artist, um, I would find them at open mic nights. I'd reach out to them on Twitter. Like they all, we all have our stuff, and I'd be like, "Hey, I got this studio. I'd love to like see what we can work on." Almost every single one of those experiences was great, and almost every single one of those experiences, I'm still really close friends with those people. Like that's how I met John Constantine at Orchid and Hound, and <laughs> which. His bandmate Lawrence will now, if you ever listen to this, be like, motherfucker. But it's great when you're doing a band or you're doing like an album project. 
performing arts, because there's so much need for certain energy on stage that's different, it just doesn't work. So again, first point, do not cold call talent. Um, and this kind of leads into the second point. Build a wall of professionalism. It is very easy when you're working one-on-one -on -one with someone very frequently, 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 and you have to get to know this person emotionally. That's what you're doing, right? You're, you're taking emotions and conveying them in audio. But you still have to have that, like, wall. And I think in the recording studio, let's just face it, in the recording studio, there is no wall. Like, everyone's fucking everyone, and everyone's just kind of going off and doing it. Because we're all just in it, right? We're just a bunch of punkards trying to make shit happen. Theater, because it, there's so many moving parts and so many different things, if you don't keep that professional wall, it gets taken advantage of really quickly. And, and, it, it, and it's not something that they the performer actually realizes they're doing. It's just that, you know, when casting decisions are made, when you're, when you're doing certain things shit hits the fan and sh you know you are ultimately the boss you call the shots if you have this very intertwined personal connection um it just and i'm not talking like you know the casting couch i mean i'm just saying like friends like just you become emotionally invested in these people and then you know ultimately whether it's you or that person one at one point you're going to let each other down like, and, and you won't even realize it until after the fact, but it's just, that's the game of expectations, you know? It's like, eventually, I want to make something of my life or within my career in the theater. Eventually, something will hit or pop, and it may not involve that person that wants to be your best friend. And it becomes especially trying when you're not paying people because when you're not paying people, they kind of, the takeaway is, oh, well, if I'm not getting paid for this, then we should just be friends. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's a level of friendship that they that kind of exists because you're both doing this pro bono. Um, so just always be cognizant. Always build up that wall. Like, I mean, Leah is a prime example because I love my Leah. <laughs> like, Leah and I, are, we're friendly, we would consider each other friends, but we still have our own personal lives. Like there's a level of detachment. And, and I think the thing is, is, and I cannot stress enough how much of a gem Leah Olson is, and she should be cast in everything because she's just amazing, as you heard. So, you know, you've heard a lot of songs with her singing. It's like, she's just awesome. Um, but even that, like, you know, we kind of, we've, we've got our space, you know. We don't have tremendous expectations on each other, you know. And, and our friendship, our, our relationship evolved, you know. I mean, we have become very close over the years. And we do have an investment in each other. And I do go see her shows. Like, I, I love her. But, but that took years to build. That didn't happen overnight, you know. And I think... <clears throat> something like with what happened with the guy I had to let go, 
where I learned very quickly the issue was there was just there was some emotions and stuff going on there where I was like, I've never hung out with you outside of this. I've like I'm not your drinking buddy. Like, yes, I am a recovering alcoholic. Oh, that was the other thing he said that just really pissed me off was he was like, Oh, I get it. So just because you don't drink anymore means I can't drink either. Which I think when you say something like that, that's what I should have said originally when I saw this story. Because when you say something like that to a recovering alcoholic, you don't realize that that's flamethrower talk. Like, that's the point where, A, I don't want to work with you ever again. And B, now I don't even want to know you as a human being again. Because to be so malicious and to say something so even if it doesn't seem like it's hurtful to someone like myself where it's like I actively had a drinking problem or have a drinking problem. And because of that, I don't drink alcohol anymore. The the fact that you would bring that into the conversation after you've already turned into like a storming queen and you are like, Hey, you don't pay me. Like you've already heightened it and now you put a ring on it. And it's like, now it's like, oh no, it's not just me you have to worry about. It's a fact that I do have colleagues in musical theater. I have friends like that are at my level that are professionals. And when I told them this story, not because I was being malicious, but just because I wanted to clear the air, I was like, hey, let me tell you this. Was I out of line? And I bring up that part, that's the point. They flip the fuck out. And they're like, he said what? And I'm like, well, yeah. They're like, no, 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 no. That that's like a whole, that's a whole bridge too far. And again, I think a lot of that could have been mitigated if I had a stronger prof- professional wall built. So, <laughs> forty-five minutes in this podcast, we got to point two. <laughs> um, I think point three. Uh, when you do find someone. Make sure you're both equally invested. Um, and, and this goes both ways. There there are people I've worked with where they were really gung-ho, but I wasn't really getting what I wanted or needed. And there are other situations where I was really gung-ho, but I really they just didn't seem as in, into it. I feel like that's a poison. That That is a poison on your project right there. If you can't get everyone to a certain level of enthusiasm about what they're working with or working on, it, it taints the well because in the back of your head, you're constantly second-guessing yourself. And, it, and it's a two-way street. You're second-guessing yourself if you're not really sold on the talent, but then at the same time, you're second-guessing yourself if they act like they're not really into the project. I had this one cabaret show I did, and I had this one female vocalist where she was perfectly lovely. Like, she was she was a good performer. She's the type of person where it's like, she's going to be great in the ensemble of Broadway shows. She's a solid singer, but she never really gives it her all. She just kind of gives what's expected, and she kind of plays with it from that point, I guess. I, I, I don't know. She, she's kind of a tough nut to crack. But she always had this kind of attitude of, 
oh, I'm just doing this, but but really I'm into this. Like she always had that air of like there was something better going on than what she was currently doing. And it wasn't just me. It bled into the entire, not only, man, it, it got to the point where I not only had to talk to the other actors because they were complaining about it, I had to talk to the production team because they were catching wind of it and they were getting pissed about it. And this was something that everyone was actually getting paid for. So <laughs> that was a much bigger deal. <laughs> so, so yeah, so those are, those are three very key central points I think you need to kind of consider when you're going into this. And if you heard that door, that was my boyfriend coming home. So <laughs> I had to wrap it up. Uh, it's a party of one in podcast hell. And now it's the next morning. So now that it's the next morning. <laughs> so anyway, to kind of summarize all that. So, so the, the, yes, there were those three crucial things. Um, my casting is finally done for In the Infinite. Very excited to share that. Um, there, there was one person who auditioned that I really, really, really wanted. And unfortunately for In the Infinite, it didn't work out. But because of that, now I'm working on a new project. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I've always been working on it, but I found her. And so now I'm going to bring her in. So see, even when you audition for me and you don't get the role you auditioned for, there are always plenty of opportunities for talented, nice people. Nice and talented. Um... Trying to think if there's anything else to cover, man. I, I guess we got through the drama of Sparkle Pony Bear. We got through some of the things we learned along the way. <laughs> um, I, yeah, that still leaves open, you know, the fundamental question of, well, who, who are you going to cast? And <clears throat> I haven't figured that out yet. Um, I'm going to be 100% honest. I... I have a couple people um, that are colleagues that I can reach out to maybe, but I'm a, I'm even a little hesitant on that just yet. So I haven't figured it out, but when I do, I'll be sure to let you know. And because I'm a lazy oaf, I'm ending this now. So have a good week. Oh, that's right. Crispy, crispy taco.